Well, um, as I mentioned, today we come to this third primary means of grace. Uh, maybe we call it a, a power cord, as I kind of mentioned a few weeks ago, or uh, a root as part of the tree that dips into the water to bring water and nutrients into the tree. Uh, maybe we call it a, a habit of grace, uh, a, a, a habit that puts us in front of God's grace. Whatever it is, it's all of those things. But this third one is gospel community, uh, God's people, uh, being with others, having fellowship, having communion with each other, having unity and, and building in unity with each other, uh, doing the one another ministries that we see in the Word of God. And the habits that we see in Acts chapter 2 that we went through a handful of months ago, uh, chapter 2, verse 42 to 47, that's the scriptures we're going to be looking at today. We see the, these habits, these three habits, call come together. Uh, we see the Word of God in this little section, we see prayer in this section, and we see God's people in this section. Uh, that's the reason why when I had this podium built on this, uh, this front uh, leaf from the Bible, this is a, a 1613 uh, King James leaf uh, from, from one of the, the, the second edition or third edition of the King James Bible. Uh, so it's from, well, it's over 400 years old now, but I've selected that text, Acts chapter 2, that contains 42 to 47 to be on the front of this, uh, because to me, this is the picture of what the church ought to be, uh, the things that the church gives itself to, being in prayer with one another, being in the word with one another, breaking bread with one another, and being in one accord, being in unity. That's what that whole section, when the church was born, uh, and the, the iteration that we know as in Acts chapter 2, that was the picture that we saw right away. And so when this was first uh, built, um, I knew I wanted that scripture to be on the front, that God's word would be the thing that we see uh, right there physically, um, but specifically that section of scripture, because that is what the church ought to be rallied around, the word of God, prayer, and God's people, dwelling in unity, growing together, um, breaking bread together. And so today, and then also next week, we're going to be looking at not really just community and what it is, so we're going to talk about that, but really how community kind of ties all this stuff together, how it takes prayer and the word, and then once you have it with people, it takes on a whole new life of its own. It's, it's good and important for you to have your, your personal private prayer time and Bible reading time, but when you bring in this third element, and then now all of them are together, this is where the church just becomes, honestly, just becomes unstoppable. When these three things are dwelling among God's people, uh, it's, it's an amazing thing, and it is God's design. And so these three elements that we see in Acts chapter 2, uh, the Word of God, prayer, and gospel community, these are, these are like the bones that hold up the body of Christ, right? The, the, the flesh and blood, the life of the body, they're supported by these three things. So the bones are kind of like the trellis of your body. Right? If without bones, I mean, you're just going to be a, a mess on the floor. All right? uh, so the bones are really what holds up our body. Our bones don't give us life, but they support life. And that's what these things are. The Word of God, prayer, and God's people, they're not the things necessarily. I mean, the Word of God obviously gives us life. It's what causes us to be born again. But, but just a, a Bible sitting on a table doesn't do you any good unless it brings you to Jesus. Right? So the Word of God, prayer, and community are like the bones that support the body, it's the trellis that supports the vine. They're not themselves the vine. Jesus is the vine, but these are the things that bring us 
to Jesus and the things that support our body and our life, our breathing and our breathing out so that we can really have spiritual life. So these three things are like the bones that support this body, this, this people, this family that provides this, uh, the, the ability to have structure and support so that we can breathe and walk in the Holy Spirit, this trellis for our body. And you and I were designed to live in that context. It's not just be in the Word and in prayer, but to be in those things with people. We aren't meant to dwell alone. And if we live outside of that context, living just kind of on our own, trusting in your own heart, kind of living sort of like a lone ranger, you will at some point, you will shipwreck your faith and your walk at some point. You will find yourself distant from Christ because you're walking outside of what his design has been. The vine begins to wither if you only have the word or only have prayer, but you are disconnected from real fellowship, real communion with folks, uh, that vine will eventually get weak. This is God's design, is these three things working together. Uh, so I want to pray, and then we're going to jump into Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. Uh, and we're going to see the kind of fruit that brings real life when the body of Christ is operating in this context with each other. So let's pray. Father, we're grateful to kind of rewind back um, a few months, going back to May or June or whenever it was that we were in Acts chapter 2, and being able just to remind ourselves of the picture of the body of Christ, the picture of your church that you desire, that you've designed. It's not the picture that's maybe convenient for us. It's not the picture that is uh, easy for us necessarily. But it's your design. You being the, the, the manufacturer, you know the ins and outs of your creation. You know how everything works together to the best of its ability for its design and its purpose. And so we see this in Acts chapter 2, kind of the anatomy of the church. The structure, the trellis, the bones that provide the ability for the church to have life. To have life in the spirit. To grow spiritually, to grow supernaturally, to be transformed, to be a blessing not just to each other, but a blessing to those around the church and the body of Christ, to provide fruit and shade, just like a tree planted by water, providing comfort and hope. So God, help us as your church, as your people, as your body to function the way that you desire your body to function for your glory and for our good and for the good of the world around us. We want to be a blessing to this world that needs you. So help us, Lord, to be this change and transform to, to convict us as we look into your word today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Acts chapter 2, verse 42, says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. 
and all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So there's a lot in here. We won't be able to get to every little detail. But part of the problem that we face as, or that we, that we face as people is, as I mentioned, we can have God's word, we can have prayer in our own lives, but if we don't have people in our lives, what we'll often do is actually even use the word of God and use prayer to hide behind. We'll use God's word to justify our decisions, our actions, our lifestyle, whatever it is. If we just have the word, just have prayer, we can kind of form and fashion that however we want, and we can hide behind that. We'll use... God's word and sort of the disguise of of prayer to hide behind and even serve our own idols. We'll take scripture and we'll twist it to fit what we want. That's what happens when we just have the word and just have prayer. In Hebrews chapter 3 verse 13 it says to exhort one another. So it's talking about this community aspect, people aspect, Exhort one another every day as long as it's called today. And here's why. So that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. We can have the word and we can have prayer. But we can still easily be deceived by the deceitfulness of sin. We will twist scripture. We will pray in a certain way that is in our favor. We can become hardened by the deception of our own sin. And it's harder to do that in community. It's harder to do that when you're around people. It's harder to hide behind your excuses. It's harder to continue to live out your blind spots. It's it's harder to, to hide your idols when you're around people. It's not impossible. It's just harder. But when we're in gospel community around people who love us, love the Lord, love the word... People have wisdom, people will give us counsel, people that we're humbled towards and submit ourselves to, people that continually point us to the power of the gospel and to God's word. Well, then it becomes harder for us to live in those areas of blindness. Real radical change of the deepest kind takes place when all these three things collide. These three trellis pieces join together. And you and I, we need, we need help every single day. And, and your need for help isn't a result of the fall. You and I don't need help because of sin. We need help just because we're human. Right? Even if we were perfect, we would still need help because we're not God. We don't know all things. Even if you're walking in character and integrity in a certain situation, you still need help. Now add in your own sin and other people's sin. Now we really need help. So we need help whether we have sin or not. Whether we're walking solid or not, we need help. Once you add in sin, spiritual blindness, deception of of our sin, idols, now we really need help. So say this to yourself. 
I need help every single day. Tell yourself that right now. I need the help. I need the help of my brothers and sisters every single day. As long as it's called today, I need people to exhort me, to encourage me, to preach to me, to challenge me. I need that every day. I need to be humbled every day, open to other people speaking in my life every single day. Because now, because of the sin we've done and the sin that's been done to us, we have these, these roadblocks that don't really allow us to see clearly. Our sin and the sin of others towards us, it fogs up our lens. And we become hardened by the deceitfulness of our own sin and hardened by just the bitterness and callousness of sin that's been done to us. I've done this a lot over the years, but if you put your hand in front of your face, this is what it's like to have an idol. This is what it's like to have hardening of sin or bitterness. It, it, it blocks your view. I could have five people standing in front of me, but when there's an idol, I only see two people, three people. I don't see everyone in the room when I do this. I don't see life clear when I've got an idol right here. When I've got something I want or something that I'm holding on to, something I don't want to admit, I will not see clearly. I can't see clearly. So, and let me, let me tell you this. this. You have to understand this. You don't make decisions and observations based on facts. You make your decisions and your ob observations, you make those based on your interpretation of the facts. That's an important distinction. Because like I said, I could be like this and say there's only two people in front of me, but there's actually five. What I'm interpreting is clouded by my idol, by my emotions, by my desires. So I can interpret things differently. So, so think about this. Married couples. Have you ever been in a situation where the wife sees things one way and the husband sees things a different way? Has that ever happened to you? You have the same set of facts right in front of your eyes, both people, and they totally disagree. It's all about interpretation. It's not about facts. All right, think about politics. I know we don't want to think about politics, but, but how, how can two believers who love Jesus, they love the word of God, they love the church, they love the cross, and they can totally disagree on something like politics. Is it, is it really because one person just totally doesn't know what they're talking about and they're crazy? Don't answer that. <laughs> or is it because they actually interpret the facts differently? And I'm not saying that all things are equal either. That's not what I'm saying. Right? If I go like this, there's actually five people in the room, even though I say there's only two. So just because we interpret differently doesn't mean it's all equal. My point is, is that we don't, and we don't make decisions based on facts, but our interpretation of the facts. And that interpretation can be wrong. And it can be right. But for us to really know if it's right or wrong, we also need other people to say, no, Job, there's, there's five people in front of you. No, I only see two. Trust me, there's five. So we need other people because we interpret wrongly often. One, just because we're human. Two, because we're also humans that have sin that we do and that have been done to us. So it shapes, it clouds our view. Kids, same thing with you guys. You ever been on the playground or playing sports or something and, 
and, and you and your friends see the same exact thing. No, you were out of bounds. No, I wasn't, right? You both saw the same thing. So it's, it's everywhere. We interpret based on, on not just what we see, but our interpretation, how we see through things, whatever that might be. And so since all of us deal with some type of spiritual blindness, we often don't see all the facts accurately. So we interpret often wrongly, even when faced with facts. Right? You have the, I mean, someone says, no, look, there's five people in front of you. You're still going, no, there's not. I mean, it's like we can be so stubborn because even our spiritual blindness. This quote in your notes from Paul Tripp from a fantastic book just about helping other people, being an instrument in God's hands. He says, true friendship calls you out of the darkness of personal privacy, just holding your car real close, not letting people in. True friendship calls you out of the darkness of personal privacy from being a sealed envelope, but then becoming an open letter. And I have to wonder how many of us are more like sealed envelopes, right? We're just very protective. We don't want people to really know what's going on in our mind and our hearts, Rather than being open letters, we, we hold our cards close. We, we have an image to uphold. We don't want people to, to, to look down upon us or think less of us. But each of us, we need help. You cannot do this alone. And we can say, oh, I don't need community or to be accountable. I just need, the, I just need God and I need the Bible. Well, guess what? God and your Bible tells you you need community and people. So if that's kind of your thing, like, well, no, I just, I've, I've got all I need, then read the book. Read the book and obey the book. It tells you, you need the church. You need the body of Christ. You need people in your life. There are times when I get so tired and exhausted and discouraged in every single way, and I need someone else to help me. To, to hold my, my, my arms up, to, to put on armor for me. I can't seem to lift that breastplate of righteousness. I can't seem to lift up the helmet of salvation. I need someone else to put the, 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 the sword of the Spirit in my hand sometimes. Because maybe I'm blind, I can't see it, I don't know where it's at. Someone has to pick it up for me and say, Joby, here it is. You need this, put this on. I need other people to help me do this. I can, I can think of countless times in my life, the last 25 years, where I've needed people to be this, this source of, of, of strength and, and help for me. And that's exactly what God has designed for us. We need the ministry of the body of Christ. So I want to first look today at first what community is not, and we'll look at what community is. And then next week, we're going to be looking at a lot more of the, the practicals. How do we put this into practice? So today, we'll just look at what it's not and what it is. By no means exhaustive. Uh, sometimes these sort of sermons are frustrating because there's so much more that community is not and community is. But I just kind of stuck with the handful of things that we see in Acts chapter 2. Uh, last week, after uh, the sermon from last week, I think it was Monday, I was talking with my boys uh, about uh, building a trellis. And we're just talking about what kind of things, boys, you want to build your trellis with. And one thing we talked about is, like I was saying about the bones being the thing that supports the body of Christ, is that you can really see the, um, with a trellis, you first need uprights, right? You need the, the, the poles that go from the ground and go up. Without uprights, you can't have any horizontal pieces. 
So I was asking the boys, I said, you know, what do you think the uprights are? Those are the things that are indispensable, the big picture stuff. And Liam, like a good student, said the word of God, prayer, and gospel community. And I was like, all right, that's, that's good. <laughs> so, and we, we think about that and you go, okay, the uprights of this trellis have to have those elements. Memorizing scripture, being in the word every day, being in prayer, having gospel community. Those are those things that are the uprights. You must have those things. Reading through the Psalms, praying through the Psalms, all that stuff. The horizontals, those are kind of the more specific things, maybe to your life, right? The specific things, maybe your methods, maybe your time of day. So you start kind of saying, okay, I need the word and prayer and community, but how am I going to fit this into my life? Okay, here's one trellis piece is I got my favorite chair. I always like to have my cup of coffee. Uh, on my drive to work, I want to listen to the, the, the Bible on audio, whatever it is. You start putting in those horizontal pieces that are kind of more specific to you. Your favorite set of highlighters, you know, whatever it is, background music. But we also talked about another important feature for good vine growth. And it's a feature that sort of goes along with building a trellis, but it's not quite the trellis. It's important, but it's what community is, gospel community is not. Gospel community is not just simply hanging out, hanging out with believers. That's important. It's very important. It's an important part of building gospel community, real gospel depth, hanging out, laughing, socializing, watching sports together, being at the ballpark together with other families. Those are important things. But that's not gospel community. But they're very important those things, to me, are more like, with our trellis imagery, it's more like those things help you pull weeds around the vine. They kind of clear space. They kind of help you maybe uh, emotionally uh, or mentally sort of create space in your heart. You go, you be with people, you just laugh at a funny movie, right? You get to, you play some music. You're outside, you get to watch your kids play sports. Those things in themselves don't connect you to the vine and cause vine growth, but those things are good things. Those kind of clear weeds out from below. Those things like, so, because, and then all your other cares, the other things that sort of rob the vine from nutrients and water. These things, they kind of decompress us. They help us to sort of breathe more easily. And that helps the vine to grow. But they're not the trellis and they're not the vine, but they're still very important. There was a time. Uh, I think it was probably five or six years ago or something. I was going through a, a hard time. I think it was about April or May. And um, I don't remember what was going on, but I was just dealing with some depression. And I was talking with a friend. And, um, you know, we love going to baseball games. And uh, I was just kind of talking about stuff, just talking about the things that are stressing me out and worrying me and, and he goes, you know what you need? You, just, you need to just take your family to a baseball game. Just relax and just enjoy being outside, doing your favorite things with your family. And my response to him was, I don't need baseball. I just need Jesus. All right, that's a good pastor answer. And he's like, I'm not saying that all you need is baseball. I'm not saying you don't need Jesus. But you can't even see Jesus right now because your vision is clouded. You are so built up with all these pressures 
you probably can't even pick up a Bible and even see the words in it. And so I was thinking through that a lot the next couple of days, and I had this sort of little word picture for myself, and this is how I've, I've seen this a lot. Like when I'm dealing with just, you know, anxieties or depression, whatever, uh, I picture myself in a jungle, and I'm, I'm parched for water. I even like the, the, the song we're going to sing here pretty soon. As a deer pants for water. I need water. That water is Jesus. That is what I need. I need Jesus. But I'm in this jungle, and there's all this just like overgrowth and vines, and, and I know there's a well, but I can't get there. All these vines are in the way. And so what I need is this, a machete. I need some kind of thing that I can just chop down all these vines so I can create a clear path to get to this well that has a bucket. And that bucket to me is that's, that's the word of God, that's prayer, that's community, that's the thing that you drop down into the living water. But to even get to that bucket, to even get to the word of God, to even get to prayer, to even get this place where I'm like hearing people speak into my life, I got, I got this chaos I got to deal with. And so this machete acts as this tool that I get to use to kind of clear the ground, clear the air, clear the fog, pull the weeds out that are, that are sapping all the nutrients and water that prevent me from even being able to focus in prayer, to even believe God's word. I, I need these things to kind of clear the ground a little bit. So it's true that ultimately I need water. I need Jesus. That's what I need. But as my friend was saying, because I'm not saying you only need baseball. I'm just saying you need this thing to kind of cut through the fog so that you can even see Jesus. Right? And so you think about these different things, whatever it is for you, right? you do something that's just good and relaxing. Next day you wake up a little more clear-minded. And then you open your, your Bible and you're actually able to kind of see a little bit more easily because you've sort of decompressed. You've let some of the pressure out. All right, so all these things, laughing with folks, enjoying just uh, the common graces of God, those are very important for us. It's what helps us build relationships that eventually hopefully will go deeper beyond just talking baseball or whatever so we need those things and so when I was talking to the boys about their trellis among the word of God and prayer they mentioned you know playing music you know, they mentioned working out playing baseball and so for me you know, playing music playing guitar practicing scales all that stuff those things don't connect me to the vine but those things help me to sort of put out of my mind a lot of other things that drown out just this, this call to Jesus. Right, the other things, all the, the notifications, the emails, the needs, all the stuff that kind of pulls at us. Right, you sit back and you enjoy some of these common graces like laughter, a good meal, all these things. And then that helps me to sort of clear out the fog. It's a tool to break up hard ground in the soil where you want vine growth to be. So though these things aren't gospel community, they are very important. I think it's important to see the distinction because sometimes we can say, well, yeah, I've got, I hang out with a lot of friends, all this stuff, but are you growing in your faith together? Are you praying for each other? Well, no, well, that's what's missing. So very important to break up ground and need it in our life. We need to laugh and enjoy being with each other. We need to enjoy the many common graces of God. But we need more than that too. So I'm not saying that this is bad and gospel community is the only thing. I'm saying you need both machete and you also need the bucket. You need both. If you want the living water, you need the machete. 
You need the bucket. Right? So all these things, these, these common graces are good for all of us to break up ground. So you think about the different common graces that God gives us, whether it's playing music or if it's marriage or friendships or working out or sports or laughing or creating things. These are all gifts of God that the Lord uses in our lives to help clear our minds so that we can actually enjoy Jesus. They are good gifts from God. They're machetes to cut through stuff so we can get to that bucket, word of God, prayer, and God's people so that now these things can go into the well and draw up living water for our souls. These are important things for us, all these common graces. So it should be factored into your trellis, but I would just say it's not part of your uprights or your horizontal pieces, but these things are really good things to have things that pull weeds and break up hard ground. They kind of like set you in a direction so that you can put those uprights in and go deeper in your relationships with other people. Both are important. They're not the same, but they're both important, and you want to have both. Now, another thing to consider for what gospel community is not, gospel community is not perfect. Jesus is perfect, but gospel community is not we wish it was, but it's not. Community does not mean conformity, where the community you're in conforms to your image and what you want them to be. I wish everyone was just more like this. I wish, I wish, you know, that is not what gospel community is. It is good to be in community with people who are not like you, who are different, who are diverse. That's good. Sometimes it's annoying, <laughs> sometimes it's frustrating. But it's good. It's good for you. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Just an important, I mean, there's so much more that I'm going to read here, but you should read through this on your own. But Paul says, for the body, so a physical body, doesn't consist of just one member, one body part. But there's many body parts. If the foot should say, well, since I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. Well, that would not make it any less part of the body. Just because you're not like someone who's sitting next to you or in front of you doesn't mean you're any less part of this body and the greater body of Christ. If the ear should say, well, I'm not, I'm not an eye. I'm not good with words. I don't know a ton of the Bible. I don't like praying out loud. I'm not really sure how to do that. I'm not an eye, so I don't belong to the body. Well, that wouldn't make it any less of the body. If the whole body were an eye, well, who, where would the sense of hearing be? You add something to this body, and you add something to the greater body of Christ. You have something that I don't have. You have something that the other people in your community group don't have. And there's a number of things. So we need the sense of sight and also of hearing. If the whole body was an ear, where would the sense of smell be? And as it, as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose he chose. He chose to put you together with different people. He chose to give you certain gifts that I don't have. He gave me gifts that you don't have. Backgrounds, experiences, personality types, you name it. However God has designed you as a member of the body of Christ, he's the one who chose how to arrange you and arrange you in your church family, in your, in your, your natural family, uh, whatever it is. He, cho he chooses how to organize even this body, this physical human body. He's the one who does this. 
if we were all a single member, all eyes or all noses, well, where would the rest of the body be? As it is, there's many parts, but just one body. That's the part you see in Acts 2. They were unified. They were unified. They were in one accord. Many parts, yet one body. The eye can't say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet can't say, I have no need of you. And do you realize that when you're around people, and you're around people who aren't like you, you actually see more of Jesus. Think about that. Right? Like if, if I was wearing all black head to toe with just my hand showing, you wouldn't be able to see all of Joby. You'd only know this. He's got a couple rings and a wristwatch, and that's all I really know about him. And all of a sudden, you reveal part of my face, whatever it is, and you start seeing, well, I know more of Joby now. Right? I know not just his skin color, but now I know his hair color. I know his eye color. Uh, I, I know these different things. I know his age more. The more you, you're around different parts of the body, the fuller picture of Jesus you see. You will know less of Jesus if you're isolated. You'll know less of Jesus if you're just around people who are just like you. You see less of Jesus because you see less of his body. It's important for us to be around people who love Jesus, who are even different than us. We will see more of Jesus. If you want to see more of Jesus in your life, you've got to be around his people, living life with his people, different people. It's not ideal all the time. It's messy. Sometimes this body malfunctions. Sometimes certain parts of the body break down. And then the other part of the body hopefully kind of picks up some slack while this part of the body's healing. Sometimes this part of the body breaks itself and we come along to help. There's this great, I want to read this little section of an article I read a, a week or two ago. I sent it to a few folks. It was just a fantastic article on just our view of the body of Christ, our need for patience in the body of Christ, and really just a gospel view of the body of Christ. Uh, this author says, we can love our vision of a, what, what a church should be more than we love the actual people who compose it. Think about that. You, you can love your, your ideal picture of what church should be. You can love that more than you love the actual church. We can be like a man who loves the idea of a wife, but then he marries a real woman. And he finds it harder to love her than the idea of her. We start loving the idea of a healthy church more than the church God has actually placed us in. It's idolatry is what it is. It's coveting. It's coveting your neighbor's church or whatever. But he says, this is the important part. But Christ has put his name on immature Christians. He's put his name. Are, are, you, are you a Christian who struggles? Are you a Christian who's weak? Guess what? Christ has put his name on you. You are a Christian. You're a disciple. You're his. You're his son, his daughter. Christ has identified himself with Christians whose theology is underdeveloped and imperfect. He gives grace when your theology isn't quite right. That's not what saves you. 
That's not what makes you his. He says, to say that we should love the church more than its health, not that we shouldn't love the health of the church, but to say that we should love the church more than its health, which is what we want to do, means this. We should love people because they belong to Jesus. Not necessarily because they agree with us, not necessarily because they see things like we do. We should love people because they belong to Jesus, not because they've kept the expectation of a healthy church, even though that expectation may be good and biblical. It means we should love them because of what Christ has done and declared, not because of what those people do. That's why we should love people. Not based on what they do, but on, based on what Christ has done for them. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, this is in your notes, he says, he who loves his dream of community more than the Christian community itself, that person becomes a destroyer of community. That person becomes cantankerous, becomes a problem, becomes a, uh, just picking out every little flaw. That person becomes divisive. That person tears down the body of Christ rather than builds up the body of Christ. They love the idea of a dream community more than the actual Christian community with all of its weakness, all of its flaws, all of its gray hairs and wrinkles, all the things that the body has. Now, I want to dispel a myth before we go on to the last section here. The myth is that if we just commit to these things, word of God, prayer, community, let's build our trellis, We'll be just like the church in Acts chapter 2. We'll do those things. And now we're just going to be this really healthy church. That's not true because we still have sin. Have you ever read any of the epistles? Those churches were messed up. They were messed up. I have a feeling that if Paul wrote a letter to the church in America, you know, so first, first, first Americans, right? Or, and then second Americans, right? If he wrote a church in America, he'd just say, I don't even know where to start with you guys. I have no idea where to start. So, so just because we do these things, we see the Corinthian church, right? We see all these churches with all their problems, and yet they're doing these things. So we have to dispel that myth that if we just do this, all of a sudden everything gets fixed. What actually happens, church, is if when we press into each other, and we're shining the flashlight of God's word into each other's lives, but we're all trying to hide, we don't want anyone to see this stuff, we bring the word of God, prayer, and community all into this, this blender. What happens is, by God's grace, more sin is actually exposed in our lives. We get close to each other. It's easy. So that's why I'm saying gospel community isn't just hanging out, playing ball, and all that kind of stuff. Those are good things. But we can just kind of cruise through life and put on a good show if that's where we stay in community. Very important stuff. Very important stuff. It's like it greases the wheels so that you can get into the deeper stuff. But it's really easy to stay superficial with our Christian friends because as soon as we go deep, sparks fly. Sparks fly. As iron sharpens iron. You ever see iron sharpening iron? Sparks fly. Friction happens. But the sword becomes sharper. Your life becomes more effective. But sparks fly. So just by committing to these things doesn't mean we live in perfect harmony. It actually means we're probably going to go through some stuff together. There's going to be sparks because by God's grace, we're going to be shining the light of God's word, hopefully in a loving way. That's what we should be doing in a gentle and lowly way like Christ. But if we start doing that with each other's lives, we're going to start getting defensive. We're going to want to hide a bit more. That's what happens. But the result of that is a sharper sword, a more effective life, 
freedom from sin. But it, there's a cost to it. We have to humble ourselves towards each other. So now let's look at what gospel community is. And again, just a handful of things. Looking back at Acts chapter 2, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, the breaking of bread and prayers. All came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And they, all that they believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So in your notes, uh, just, I'll read through these five bullet points. A couple things we see in this section, what gospel community is. First of all, gospel community is committed to the word of God in a local body. Being part of gospel community means you are around people regularly in the local body of Christ listening to God's word. They were under the apostles' teaching. The next one is they opened up their homes. Gospel community looks like opening up your home, opening up your calendar. And again, not just simply to do the fun things and of you know, uh, sports and music and all that good stuff, but for the purpose of prayer for the purpose of gospel encouragement, for those deeper things, those other things, that maybe they kind of flourish because of the, the really good stuff. You know, uh, today you're gonna be going watching a football game probably, right? Enjoy that time with people, right? Just know that's not gospel community, but those are, those are good things to enjoy with one another. But gospel community means opening up our homes and calendars, even also for the encouragement and prayer for each other. It also means generous living, sacrificial care for one another, weeping with those who weep, rejoicing with those who rejoice, caring for one another. Gospel community means pointing each other to Jesus and fighting for the gospel for each other. And we're going to look at a lot of this more at the practicals next week. But we need the ministry of others to be exhorting us every single day. We need to be praying for each other, and we need to be receiving prayer from each other. We need to be pointing each other into the word and the promises of God and truth. And we need ourselves to receive the same from others. We need to be in each other's homes, breaking bread together, praying together, talking about Jesus together. And I don't, I'm not saying exclusively and that's it. But we need to cultivate that more and more and more. Getting in a habit of, if you have a phone call with someone, you guys talk a little bit, just end the phone call with prayer. Right, you hang out, you grab coffee, just, you're walking out to the parking lot, you're at the car, you're saying goodbye, just say, hey, let's just let's pray real quick. Adding in these things to your routine, to your gospel habits. Maybe you just talked about a bunch of, you know, uh, the common grace stuff for an hour, but then you're saying, hey, can I, can I pray for that? All right, you don't have to always just be talking about spiritual things in order to end with prayer. You can be talking about all the other stuff of life and then end with prayer. It's adding in this element, this deeper part of our relationships. There's a freedom that we get from going to others and stepping out in faith. Because God's design for us is to pursue humble accountability, humble openness, real vulnerability, which is kind of scary for a lot of people. But there's a freedom in going to others 
and going beyond the common graces that God gives us that we thank him for, but going humbly to others and admitting our weaknesses, admitting our our pains, our sin, our sorrows. Because church, we are, we're jars of clay. We're fragile. We've been broken. God has put us back together by his grace, but we've been broken. And in these jars of clay, we carry the treasure of the gospel. And so if you desire, as a hand or an eye or a nose, whatever part of the body you are, you want to be a a physician's assistant to the great physician. God's the only one who can fix us, who can change us and transform us. But you should desire to be the physician's assistant. God, I want to help you. I want to be your hands. I want to be the nose. I want to be the eye for my friends, my family, my church family. Help me to assist you in seeing healing come to people's lives. How can I do that? But if you're going to be a a surgeon's assistant, you're, you're also going to get blood on you too because this is messy stuff. You start dealing with the body. You're trying to help the eye see better. You're going to get blood on you as well. Even if you're just the physician's assistant, it gets messy. Church life, real church life, will never be sterile. It'll never be simple. It'll never be easy. Real church life will always be messy. Real church life will always be awkward. But it's worth it. It is worth it because the body becomes more whole when we're all acting how we should be and helping each other as we should be. And we can be honest with each other. We can be vulnerable. We can admit our flaws and our weakness. I will take an honest sinner over a deceitful Pharisee any day of the week. You come to me and kind of spill your guts and tell me all this terrible stuff about you. I will take you over the person who puts on a show all day long. I will lock arms with you. I will take that honest sinner every single time over the Pharisee who just kind of puts on the show. They're impressive, all those things. I, just, I would take that honest sinner every single time. So what happens for us when the grace of God and the gospel is being put in front of us each and every day, we got those machetes, we're clearing through the, the jungle, we get to that bucket, we're dipping into the gospel every day through his word, through prayer, through each other, and especially in the context of all those things mixing together, what happens is we start opening up our homes Because we recognize the gospel shows us that God, our Father, he has sacrificially opened up his home to us. He has done this for us, his prodigal children, and he's preparing a place for us. So when we see that, he's opening up his home for us, we go, well, we want to do the same for each other. We start opening up our calendars, making space for people, for prayer, for these things, because we recognize when the gospel's in front of us, We recognize that Christ himself, he stepped out of his eternal timeless calendar and he stepped into these 33 years on this earth to humbly minister sacrificially to his own enemies. So we say if Christ did that, he stepped out of his eternal calendar and stepped into this this finite calendar, well, I can do the same thing. I can open up my calendar. We start breaking bread with each other, eating meals together because we recognize that Christ generously offered himself up to be the bread of life broken for our forgiveness as a sacrifice. We say, if he gave us the bread of life, I can open up my home and give bread to others. We start becoming more generous. 
because we realize how God has been to us in offering up his son for our sin. He gave us his son, and we say, then I can also give to others. We start praying for others with more fervency, with more passion, more frequency, because we recognize that the risen Christ is now, right now, the risen Christ He will always be praying for us while he reigns in heaven. He's interceding for us right now. So we go, if he's doing that for me right now, I want to be interceding for my friends and family. We point each other into God's word because we know that Christ himself is the word made flesh. And we know the best way we can love others is to point others towards Christ and all of his promises. And so when the word and prayer And God's people, when they collide, nothing can stop that. You will grow in your love for Jesus. You'll be transformed in ways that won't happen when those things are separated from themselves. And sometimes they are. You have your your private time reading the Word. That's great. You need to do that. But boy, when those three things start coming together, or two of them come together, it's just, it's different. It's different, and it's God's design. So church, you you ask yourself, do you want more awe for Jesus? Do you you want to fall more in love with Jesus? you want to see more of Jesus in your life? you want to see your heart overflow with this, this love and passion for Christ more and more, where he is the main thing that you want in your life? If that's what you want, we've got to aim to bring these three things together more frequently in our lives. We want to see these things collide more and more and more and more. Yes, we need the machetes. We need all those good things, but we don't want to settle. It would do you no good if, if when you hang out with your friends, you're, you're doing all the, the, the great stuff like you know, baseball games and sports and having coffee and all that stuff. That's really great. But if you have the machete and you just get to the well, but then you don't take that bucket and drop it in the water, that's only going to take you so far. It's not actually going to feed you. So we need all that other good stuff, but we don't want to stop there you want to keep going build on that aim to have your gospel the believers in your life to to incorporate more prayer and god's word aim to do that so as i mentioned next week we'll look at more practicals how we can do that how we can maybe start come up with more trellis pieces to put on our uprights okay i've got the word of god prayer community but how am i going to do this functionally How can I add these things into my life to become these rhythms, to become buckets that go into the well? How do I do this? I want to do this, but I I need some help doing this. So that'll be next week, looking at these practicals. Practicals for the purpose of enjoying Jesus more. Enjoying Christ, knowing Christ, being transformed by Christ. The point isn't to build a great rhythm in life. The point isn't to hang out with more Uh, Christians. The point isn't to memorize as much scripture as you can. That's not the point. The point isn't to build an awesome trellis. The point is to abide in the vine. The point is to enjoy Jesus. We just want to say, what can we do in order to put ourselves in front of that vine and abide in that vine and see that vine grow healthy and strong? That's what we want. So I want to pray now and Ask the Lord for his wisdom and guidance uh, that as you go from here today, you might even just 
think about some of the, the, the good friends you have that are believers and say, how can, I, how can I just go a little bit deeper with them? Maybe I gotta be vulnerable and uh, ask them more frequently how I can pray for them or let them know how I need prayer, whatever it is. Right? But you start thinking through, not just today, but as we go forward, how can I work some of these things? How can I bring these three things together more frequently? Because I want that. I want that. I want that collision of the word of God, prayer, and community in my life more and more. Because I want more of Jesus. I want to see more of him. So I need to do these things, build this trellis so that I can see that vine growth. So let's pray for that and thank the Lord for bringing us here. I love One thing I love about God's design for Sunday mornings is we see these three things collide. We see the word of God, prayer, and community in this time. We start off our week, every single week, together with these three things. And it's an awesome design that God has done for us. So let's pray together as a church family. Ask the Lord to help us in all these things. Heavenly Father, we approach you as your children, your sons, your daughters. You've given us these amazing gifts, these trellis pieces that we've seen even in the very first church as it was born, your word and prayer and your people. And we need all three of these things. And even more, we, we need all these three, th- these three things to collide as frequently as possible. So we need, Lord, your help and your wisdom to look into our life and the, our calendar, our, the rhythms of our life, our relationships. We need your Holy Spirit to, to show us how we can maybe, maybe it's clearing some of the weeds. Maybe it's breaking up ground with some of the common graces. Maybe it's adding those horizontal pieces of more in-depth conversations. Maybe it's both. It's probably both. But whatever it is, Lord, we're asking that you'd help us as people in our weaknesses, our imperfections, in our understanding and acceptance of other people's weaknesses, understanding of other people's, uh, the different things they deal with, their imperfections, give us patience for the imperfection of the body of Christ. Help us to love your church, not our ideal of what church should be. And we can still want that, we can still pray for that, we should pray for that. I want to see growth in our church family, but I also want to love the church family that's right in front of me right now. So help me to do that. Help us all to do that for each other. To love even the, the, the weaker parts of the body, the parts of the body that struggle, the parts of the body that, um, that get sprained more often. Help us to love each other. You know, the best way we can do that is to pray for each other. (laughs) To pray with each other and to be in the word together. So Lord, help us. We thank you, God. We love you for your great design for your church family. In Jesus' name, amen.